This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I welcome Tyler Olson to the show. He's the founder of AwayAgents.com, which is a vacation rental management company in Minneapolis. Did I pronounce that right? I find it really hard to pronounce it. Minneapolis. No worries. It's all good. <laughs> all right. The city of Prince, correct? That's right. Awesome, man. I heard it's cold there in the winter. It is cold. We have days that sometimes get down to 30 below Celsius. And it's one of those days where you just don't want to be outside. And actually, for the Super Bowl last year, we'll tell some stories. But it was uh, 10 and 20 below on a couple of those days last year. Wow. So in the winter, I imagine you rent out mostly to like polar bears, uh, penguins, <laughs> this type of folks? Yeah. The, the, the few brave people who choose to dare the, the cold or, you know, business travelers who are required to come here for business, you know, whether a client or vendor or the like. But uh, the vast majority of our renters here in Minneapolis are business travelers. Uh, my properties are downtown Minneapolis. But a lot of people just want to come and, and visit uh, a former home or visit friends. And so we have a lot of people that come to the, the Minneapolis in, in the summer. So our summer bookings are hot and it's easy to book up. And in the winter, uh, we have to drop our daily rates usually by about two thirds to, to get even half 50% utilization. And that's going to be the topic of today, actually, how to profit from special events. So Tyler has done a pretty amazing job at making a lot of money during the Super Bowl. And this is a uh, this is an interesting topic because there's obviously there's a lot lot of big events around the country, and people can rent out their homes just for that specific period. I know uh, a bunch of people who literally, uh, for example, live in Austin and just rent out for South by Southwest, or live near some other you know event that just attracts a lot a lot of visitors. And so you just go on holiday that week or maybe two weeks and you can still end up making money actually. So that's right. a, it's a pretty cool strategy. So Tyler, you're a bit of an expert on this. I can't remember the numbers, but I know you made a lot of money during the Super Bowl. And so I'm really excited to hear your strategies and how you were able to, uh, to do that. So let's, let's kick it off. Um, can you start with telling us a little bit about your business and your experience? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Jasper, and I'm excited about uh, uh, sharing a few things that I've learned along the way. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've done the entrepreneur thing pretty much my whole life. I've got about four or five different companies today. I've got a, a social media marketing company. I've got about 15 people doing that. I just hired a CEO to fully run that business to, to free me up from that. I'm active in the car sharing space as well. I've got 11 cars on Turo, which is like Airbnb, but for cars. I've got a cybersecurity academy I'm working on. I do a lot of speaking engagements around the world. Uh, but one of the most interesting businesses I've got is, is Away Agents. And it started about three years ago. I brought on an entrepreneurship intern from the University of Minnesota. 
and said, you know, I want to start a new business this summer and I want to break even by the end of summer. Let's figure out what that should be. And we brainstormed a bunch of ideas in May and June and realized that Airbnb presented a, an opportunity to build a business easily and one that could, could scale into a larger future. So we decided to go down that path and I rented my first apartment downtown Minneapolis and to, to rent on an Airbnb. That would have been July, three years ago, so I suppose 2016. And we did about $5,000 in revenue that first full month on a $1,500 a month lease. And I thought, wow, this is pretty awesome. And we chose to figure out the operations and figure out how to do cleans and turns and began to automate certain pieces of it, found some software to make our lives easier. Uh, we use Guesty for most of our management and automation still today and have found good success with that. We realized that first winter that very few people come to Minneapolis. We were just about to get a couple more apartments in, then we realized our first down season and uh, chose to wait until spring to open up new units. Uh, in Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis, we typically were able to get about $220, maybe $250 per night for a one-bedroom apartment and have 80, 90, 95% utilization fairly easily for that first summer and fall. In the winter, we dropped down to about $100, $120 a night uh, with about 60, 70% utilization and uh, learned pretty hard that, you know, we were able to, to lightly make money in the winter, but the summers are awesome. So that next spring, I opened up, I think it was either two or three more apartments downtown Minneapolis. We typically went to apartment buildings and said, hey, you must have some openings. Uh, we'll rent if you give us written permission in the lease to be able to rent on short-term rental sites. And we found a building that was willing to accommodate that. So we went from one to, uh, I think it was four units right away that next summer in, in 2017. And then by that fall, we had opened up uh, an additional four to get to about eight units downtown Minneapolis. So we found another building that was willing to do it. And then as we thought, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up here in, in 2018. So about one year ago in February, uh, I wanted to expand further. So I signed up for four more apartments basically January 1st of, of 2018 in another building. So we were in about four buildings, uh, downtown Minneapolis with permission to be able to do short-term rentals. And we pulled in about 50 grand that weekend. Uh, it was just over 50 grand across our reservations. We were able to get about $1,500 per night with an average of three, four, five nights for those bookings. I had this idea that potentially we could add extra services on, you know, top all these people, you know, we're, we were getting an entire month's rent per night from those reservations and thought, well, these people have substantial disposable incomes. Uh, what else could we sell to them? And so we started reaching out to those guests and asking what they wanted. And people asked for fridges stocked before they showed up. And so we figured out a model to do that. Several people wanted to have a driver uh, one particular asked for a 24-7 driver for five days, and you can do the math, and I didn't know what to charge for that at the time, but I asked for $100 an hour. Found out later the average in Minneapolis was $200 an hour for a full-time driver, and found somebody willing to do it for 25 or 30 bucks an hour. Needed a few people, of course, because it was 24-7, and earned a fair amount of income off of that service. Uh, somebody asked for a bodyguard, so I helped find a bodyguard. You couldn't have done that yourself. 
Like you look like <laughs> I suppose. I'm not guy. really built to be a bodyguard. And <laughs> I don't know if, if that's uh, the line of work that I want to be in in life. Uh, but I found a bodyguard as an entrepreneur mind. I thought, oh, how can I find people to provide all these services? And so we created miniature, you know, packages of cold weather jackets because some people didn't have cold weather materials and it got to about 10 below Celsius that week. And so we found jackets and hand warmers and those little um, packets that you can put inside of gloves. And so we had Minnesota and Super Bowl branded uh, stuff for people to buy. And I think two thirds of our guests bought those packages. And so, you know, we had about 12 reservations downtown Minneapolis for that Super Bowl. We started managing properties for others. So I think we had three or four additional properties on top of the 12 for other people near Minneapolis that we were managing for them. And we helped them figure out pricing. We helped get their listings set up. Uh, we did it under our account at the time and, and again, provided those same services for those people and then took a percentage of those fees that were earned. And so it was a great experience overall. You know, I can talk about things that I've learned related to those extra services. I can talk about why I chose the price points that I did. I can talk about some of the interesting things related to the timing of the bookings that came together and really strategies around how to grow quickly and how we went from one to 12 in about 18 months and specifically optimized for that. And then again, this past, maybe it was about three or four months ago, we had the final four downtown Minneapolis, another major event. And we had several units that went for about $750 per night. Again, what's great about this business is, is I get paid to travel. What's, what's an interesting add-on to all this is for the Super Bowl, I wasn't even in town. I rented out my place and I've got a business I'm building in Denver, Colorado. So I was actually in Colorado skiing the day of the Super Bowl, managing my team of people here in Minneapolis from the slopes. And it was a ton of fun. So that's the type of life I choose to live. And it worked really well. We had a, a lot of really good experiences that week. And actually, fortunately, no bad experiences that week. We didn't have any bad guests. We didn't have any major parties we had to stop. Uh, we didn't have any damage to property. So I felt really good about uh, how it all came together. Well, that's a, that's a lot of information. Uh, I, I almost don't know where to start, but let's go back to the Super Bowl because that's kind of the topic of today, right? How do you maximize yep. profit from the Super Bowl? Everybody understands that you can raise prices for special events, but how much is the question, right? I remember when I first started realizing to charge higher for events in Amsterdam, I was quite surprised as to how much you can charge, right? Initially, I thought, oh, I'll charge 50% extra, you know? And then uh, immediately you get booked and, and you look at some prices of other uh, listings and, you're, and then I was thinking, hmm, I think some people are charging 2x, 3x, 4x. Maybe I can do that too. So how, how do you figure out how much you can charge? Because the Super Bowl is in a different city every year, right? So right. you don't really have a, I mean, you can look at data from last year. I guess, but it's even, even even if you look at that data, it's only once a year, right? Then it's a different city, so it's kind of hard to get uh, good data around that. So how how do you uh, how do you calculate those prices? Those are great questions, and I'm not going to say there's no perfect formula or, or magic pill to to figure out the ultimate answer. I think there's a few different strategies that can work. What we chose to do is study. You know, you can see. I think it's next two, three years of where the, the Super Bowl city will be. And if you happen to be in one of those cities or in a city with a lot of events like Austin, Texas, where South by Southwest is, or even Final Four type events or anywhere in the world, if you've got major events, Carnival and, and others, 
there are opportunities to capitalize on that. So we typically studied the last year or two, what kind of average prices were, what was the top end, what was the low end. I typically, in all my businesses, try to be in the premium end of the price spectrum. How can I have a listing that looks better than everybody else's nearby? How can I provide services that are higher quality, higher level of service than others nearby? So I actually purposely try to be on the higher end of the spectrum. And I think what also helped was because I had eight properties a year before the Super Bowl already at that time, you know, we got a booking or two the week after the previous year's Super Bowl at lower than ideal pricing. And I think it was probably three or $400 a night for a couple of those bookings that came in a year early. And I thought, wow, why are people booking the next year out? Realized it was the Super Bowl. And that's when we started to study it. And we quickly raised the prices to absurd levels to just see if, if people would book. And we got one of those bookings at an absurd level. I think it was $2,500 per night a year in advance. So for the Super Bowl, there's a high amount of awareness about the event the year prior. Typically, specifically for the Super Bowl, you know, people are talking about it with their families. Hey, do you think we should go to the Super Bowl next year? And somebody says, yeah, let's just book the trip. Let's just plan for it now. You start looking at the Airbnbs. You start looking at flights. And I think we got lucky with, with quick awareness early on while the previous year's Super Bowl was, was going on. And then we quickly studied what are average rates, what is possible. And some people don't make decisions that same day. But people make decisions that next week or two or three. And so we actually were over half booked a year in advance for the Super Bowl in the probably three or four weeks after the previous year's Super Bowl at rates that we believed we could afford to make happen. And so we were actually at about 7x what our typical summer rates would be and or about 15x what our winter rates were. And that's what our average daily rate across all of our units turned out to be. And so that was a really good experience for us. But what's interesting is a lot of the companies, a lot of those that were thinking far in advance, booked out a lot of the properties. I mean, Minneapolis's Airbnb was almost fully booked out by about, let's say, March of last year. And then there was a lot of press in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis about wow, you know, people are making money from Super Bowl. Here are some rights that people are getting. And what happened was we had about six times the number of listings that were created that were brand new listings that people were creating over the next six or nine months, specifically and only for the Super Bowl. A lot of inexperienced Airbnb hosts. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but in Minneapolis, as of February 2017, I think had about five or 600 total listings in all of Minneapolis. By February 2018, when the Super Bowl occurred, it was somewhere close to three and a half or 4,000 listings. So there were six times as many listings as people tried to capitalize it. What was interesting from a pricing perspective is a lot of those new listings didn't get booked, even at rates that were only you know two, three, four X, what they otherwise normally would have charged because the supply greatly increased. And so... We saw a wave of bookings in the first month, a year prior. We saw a wave of bookings that summer, so nine months before Super Bowl. 
And then we saw a very large wave of bookings two weeks prior because that's when we find out which teams. But what's interesting is most of the tickets for the Super Bowl are bought up by companies well in advance. And a smaller percentage of bookings and tickets are actually in that two weeks prior. So yes, a lot of listings got booked up. Some did not get booked at all. And some got booked at much lower rates. I think we were almost fully booked by the end of summer last year. And I think we had three or four listings left. And I chose to stagger the rates on all of them. So one of my units at $1,250 a night. I had one of my units at $1,500 a night, one at $1,750, one at $2,000. The $1,250 went right away. The $1,500 went eventually. The $1,750 didn't, so I pulled it down to $1,500. It booked at $1,500. The $2,000 did get booked either. I pulled it down to $1,500, and it eventually got booked as well. So I was fully booked on my units at those rates for Super Bowl. So I don't know. There's a lot of stories, a lot of data there, but there's a little bit about the timing which is interesting. So I think the actual maximum profit point would be to think about it a year in advance. If you're in a city with South by Southwest or at Carnival, a lot of people are thinking about, you know, I really should go next year. They talk to their friends, they try to get some people to book. And that's when the supply is at the best condition for you to maximize your profits. Uh, like I think about the next Super Bowl city, the number of listings is going to greatly explode between now and February. You know, I'm thinking about renting and re-renting units with permission in that city now to capitalize on what I've learned. So I don't know. What questions do you have? I just mentioned a lot of different stories. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of things that are really interesting, right? So I'm trying to figure out what's the best strategy for people that already have an Airbnb listing in a city where there's a yearly event or for the people who are listening, for example, where the Super Bowl is uh, is next time, although maybe it's already too late, but it sounds like the best strategy is not to create a listing two weeks before the event. No, definitely not. You know, I right. think, A, because then when somebody goes to book, it shows that you've got a new listing, and I always try to stay away from, from new listings when I'm booking my Airbnbs. You know, with no, no experience, you're not going to have the correct resolution of photos to maximize your optimization. You're not going to have the best description to maximize. So two weeks prior is, is realistically too late, except for, you know, some special circumstances. In general, planning ahead and thinking about it, you know, sometimes what I do is before I've even signed a lease on an apartment, but I know I'm going to, I'll actually find photos of a listing and get them listed right away and start getting some bookings so that by the time I actually have the unit leased and I've got it furnished, it is booked from literally day one of when it's capable of being rented to maximize my earnings from that potential. You know, and then I update the photos as I have any changed furniture from my other listings. But um, so yeah, if you're in a city that has a regular event, you know, thinking about how do you optimize that listing for the event, you could create a new listing uh, one of the things that we did is created a separate listing on a few of our uh, properties that had Super Bowl right in the title. And so when people are searching or if they do a Google search for Super Bowl Airbnb Minneapolis, our listings came up uh, as a highly ranked listing. And the only available dates are the week before and week after Super Bowl. And so therefore, there are, are um, only specific properties that come up under those queries that people will do. And you're more likely to come up. So those are some things that we've done that, that have worked and a few things that didn't work uh, as well. 
Right. So it sounds like uh, it's better to do what you do. You rent a, a place for nine months or one year, and then with permission of the of the owner, of course. Uh, which I also want to ask you: How do you find the landlords that are willing to let you do Airbnb, and why do, why aren't they doing it themselves? But first, I think that's a really good strategy because then you can build a bit of a reputation. You've already had you've already had some bookings, you've already had some guest stay there, some reviews. That's really helpful during the special events when you're charging those premium prices. Because I think you're right. Like you can, if you have a, an Airbnb listing that looks good and you have good reviews, you have a good reputation. That's when people are really willing to pay that five, six, seven X. But even if it's Super Bowl, uh, if if you look at a listing, it doesn't look great, and there's no reviews. You know, people just are not going to book it, right? Right. Even if it's Super Bowl. Right. Yep. You got to make sure that your opt your your listing optimization strategies are already lined up. You know, I've learned enough about how Airbnb chooses to rank its listings when people are doing searches. So typically. You know, when people were searching in Minneapolis, our units would come up at the top. And for Super Bowl, people are thinking, I just got to book something quickly. And so they'll look at fewer properties. And as long as their property looks awesome, it's close enough proximity, it worked really well. Uh, and we got some bookings right away. Sweet. So quickly, let's, uh, let's talk about how do, you, how do you find these landlords that are willing to rent out these apartments to you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think um, many cities still don't have regulations, many do. So it kind of depends on a lot of different factors. At the time when we started, Minneapolis didn't have any regulations and for, for short-term rentals. We still abided by the rules that were in place. Technically, we almost qualified as a hotel under city regulations. We didn't, but barely. And so, you know, we've paid sales tax before anybody else was paying sales tax. You know, it's important to me to do it right, do it ethically. And what I chose to do is, is go to buildings, some of which hadn't heard of Airbnb yet or weren't familiar with potential issues with that. And, you know, I do some reconnaissance first and figure out how many open units they have. And one of the buildings we moved into had 20 open units in the building. And when I think about $1,500 a month and I think about 20 units, that's about $30,000 a month or nearly $400,000 a year in revenue for some owner that that owner is missing out on. And so I went to the property manager and asked some simple questions. Have you heard of Airbnb? Are you familiar with the concept? And most property managers, you know, say yes and no, we don't want to do Airbnbs. We don't want to do short-term rentals. And I said, you know, I happen to know that you have 20 open units in this building and I'm open to taking five of them off of your hands right now. If you give me explicit permission through short-term rentals, that frequently gives that property manager pause because typically their personal compensation is based partially off of how many units in the building are rented. And if I can take five units off their hand, they personally earn more. They're also working on behalf of the owner. The owner is going to have a major problem off of his hands and or her hands and you know, so we chose to negotiate that way. And so we talk about the typical questions around zoning and insurance and security, building and public perception, how we're going to manage issues. We talk about all that up front. And then I would get right in the lease explicit permission to be able to do short-term rentals in the building. Um, and every building had different rules that they wanted us to abide by. And we abided by those rules and built a business around that. And so those are a few stories there. I got lo lots of stories, of course. So how many 
buildings would you approach for every building that would allow you to do this? So at the time, as we approached the Super Bowl, we called every single apartment building in downtown Minneapolis and some that were nearby. And I don't remember offhand exactly how many that was. It was probably about 50 buildings that we called. And we set up appointments with probably about 10 of them that gave initial, at least light interest. We only ended up with about four or five were willing to give us explicit written permission in the lease to be able to do it. So those were a few of our numbers. And then even eventually, you know, some of those chose to change the rules later and, and not do Airbnbs. You know, I've got a great story. My first lawsuit in my life, one of the buildings we actually had written permission to be able to do it, decided to change the rules and wanted to kick us out. I won the lawsuit, but, you know, eventually they, they now renewed us, uh, which is fine. And we've moved into other buildings. So good learning experiences along the way. But yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a hustle, huh? Just uh, hit up every single building and then one in 10 says yes. Yeah. It's a huge amount of hassle, but, you know, finances still work out. It's the amount of time that we put into it. Uh, I don't have any um, regrets or very many regrets on, on that front. I think I've learned about how I would do it differently in the future. But, you know, you think about whether it's a Super Bowl or Final Four, one potential strategy for an entrepreneur out there, and, and feel free to reach out to me if you want to partner on this. You know, with, with my away agents business I've built now, we do a lot of remote hosting for people and we're expanding into the Vail, Colorado area and a few other regions that we're looking at, you know, but I think there's a possibility to call up all of the buildings, condos and apartments in the next couple of Super Bowl cities and start negotiating with those, those property owners. And, you know, I think there's an ability to, to help fill up the unused space and even if you provide those property managers and homeowners with above normal long-term rental rates, there's a way to build a business off of it. Now, the Super Bowl is kind of unique in the, in the sense that it's in a different location each year, right? Uh, most right. of the big events like Burning Man and uh, Southwest Southwest, and you know, so there's a bunch of these uh, events that, that are recurring in the same city. Are there any other big events that have a different location each year? I think there are many, um, you know, the ones that I'm most aware of primarily because they've been in Minneapolis are the Super Bowl and the final four, which is the uh, college basketball. But you think about the all-star game, you think about the pro bowl, you think about the Rose bowl, you think about there are lots of types of events. There, there are traveling, you know, carnivals that are well known. Uh, there are a lot of those kinds of events. There's, there's the golf tournaments. There's the master golf tournaments. We had the masters here in Minneapolis at some point in the last couple of years. And I know people that got $10,000 a night for their home. One of my good friends, you know, made about 50 grand that week, just renting out her home. And she thought, you know, I can't remember the numbers, but I paid her mortgage for the whole year for that one week. So there are those possibilities. It's an interesting niche on Airbnb, just specializing in special events. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so if anybody wants to reach out and in partner in some capacity for those kinds of events, you know, would love to, would love to help out. Awesome. So if I were to tell you, uh, listen, Tyler, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start renting out my, my place in Austin for South by Southwest. Like what kind of advice would you have for me? Like what are some of the things that you did and you would do different now? Sure. Great question. And I think, um, it depends on a, on a lot of things. It depends if you're already an experienced host or if you are a potential new host. You know, for someone who's new uh, or becoming experienced, you know, I think about 
the importance of the quality of the listing comes first, the quality of, of the experience you're going to provide. I think about the pricing. I think there are lots of additional services that could be thought of, and maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe there's an opportunity to partner with somebody else to do that. And you just want to rent out your home and get away and, and basically have a free vacation that week. It depends on somebody's specific situation, but I would think about listing, I'd think about pricing, I'd think about services, I'd think about the timing, I'd think about, you know, what, what do you want in life? What do you want from this business? And there are a lot of different answers to each of those questions, depending on each person's specific situation. But clearly, there's an opportunity to capitalize and profit from those events. And I try to advocate more people to get into this Airbnb space. I've probably, you know, spoken in front of many thousands of people about my Airbnb experience and encouraged everybody to get into it. And if more than 10 or 20 actually have, I'd frankly be surprised. Most people think, oh, I don't want somebody in my home. But when you can get a free vacation and pay for your entire month's rent on some of these special events, or even in general, frankly, there's an opportunity to, to live a more uh, nomadic and free lifestyle and, and earn a side income that, that can pay much better than people can realize. Absolutely. Yeah. I can say I've experienced that as well a little bit. <laughs> Listen, uh, you mentioned Turo. I'm kind of interested. I've wanted to interview somebody who's really experienced on Turo, and it hasn't uh, happened yet, but uh, give us a three-minute uh, overview of what, what are the differences between Turo and Airbnb, and if I wanted to rent out my car, what, what's a good strategy? Sure. So I think I've had over a thousand reservations on Airbnb as well as over a thousand reservations on Turo at this point. So I've got a fair amount of experience in that front. And it started uh, with my buddy and I went on a ski trip to Salt Lake about three years ago, actually about now. And, you know, we, we got exactly the car we want. It was delivered right to the airport door. It was less expensive than the typical car rental companies. And it was just an awesome experience. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have a, a winter car and a summer car at the time. And so I came back to Minneapolis and put my winter car up on the app. This is about three years ago. And I did about $900 a month on a $300 a month car payment on a Ford Fusion. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. Didn't expect that. And, uh, you know, my entrepreneur brain kicks into high gear. And so I went to the dealership and asked, you know, so what does it take to, to buy more cars? And they look at you funny, of course. But I then leased uh, two more identical Ford Fusions. I told them exactly what I was planning to do. And uh, I did $900 a month on each of those cars and about $300 a month car payments. I thought, well, this is interesting. I wonder if I can get the same amount of revenue on less expensive cars. So then I went back to dealership and leased three Ford Focuses, uh, which are about $200 a month vehicles. And they all did about $900 a month. And I thought, well, this is actually turning into a business quickly. This is like in a four-month span. Um, I went from one car to about six cars on the app and uh, studied the market a bit more and realized that Denver, Colorado had a, a wide supply-demand gap. And I like to ski. I like to go to Colorado a lot. So I thought, well, if I can create a business expensive reason to travel there more often, I'd love to do that. So I went out there and and I bought uh, five identical Subaru Outbacks, which is what people want to drive into the mountains to go skiing and hiking and, and biking and all those kinds of activities. And so uh, those are about three fifty dollars a month car leases, and uh, they generate about $1,500 a month in revenue in the winter months, about $1,000 a month in the summer months. And, you know, I just hired three very part-time people to manage it out there and managed that for a couple of years. I uh, found an abandoned parking lot out there that... Um, we just parked the cars in 
and then eventually found that the largest Turo management team in the country is based in Denver. And so last year chose to partner with them. They now manage, um, I've got seven vehicles out there. Um, I've got three vehicles now in Minneapolis that I rent out and uh, I pay them a management fee to just do everything related to it. Their company's called Hassle Free Car. And so they manage about 200, I think about 250 cars at the Denver airport for Turo owners, uh, most of which just have a vehicle that they let sit at the airport because there's a lot of people just travel to, to Denver for eight weeks of winter to go skiing. And then the car just sits for 10 months of the year. And so they typically manage those kinds of cars. These cars are ones I, you know, lease and, and rent full time. Um, and then I'll use once in a while when I'm out there as well. But it's been a good experience overall. The supply demand curves of Turo have changed a lot every year. Uh, so the first winter, I averaged about $95 a night for a Subaru Outback. The second winter, I think I averaged about $75 or $80. Uh, we just had the third winter, and I think I averaged about $65 or $70. So every winter, the, the amount of supply of cars, the first year was only about 120 SUVs listed on Turo. I don't know what it is now, but it's probably over a thousand um, SUVs now, a couple years later. So when the supply goes up, and although the demand has gone up, it's not gone up as fast as supply, the average daily rate drops. And so I'm not planning to buy more cars. I think it's interesting if you have an extra car, if you go on vacation, you could rent it out. I think if you were to do something like some of those homeowners do, where they have a car just sitting at the airport, or if you, there's a place you travel a lot and you're thinking about instead of renting a car at that location every time, you could buy a car and have somebody manage it. I think there's some opportunities there, but I would not personally recommend doing what I'm doing in the future. Most of my car leases are up in the next 12 months, and I likely will not be renewing those leases into the future, except for maybe one at Denver because I'm out there a lot and do the same thing that others are doing where you know, I want to have a car that's ready for me and then rent it out, make some money off of it in the rest of the time. So that's a little bit of my experience in a few minutes. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting to, to listen to, actually. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think you've uh, added a lot of value. I'm sure everybody loves it. So really appreciate that. And yeah, man, uh, I'm really excited to uh, keep following you. Seems like you've got a lot of stuff going on and it uh, sounds like you're really creative but with how you manage everything and how you grow your businesses quickly. So, um, so yeah, great, uh, great story, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jasper, and looking forward to, to what the future holds. And if anybody wants to reach out, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at slash uh, Tyler M. Olson. Last name is O-L-S-O-N. Um, and feel free to reach out if you've got any additional questions. Or I'm on Twitter at Ty Olson, and I'm on Facebook. You can find me, Tyler Olson, and and uh, would love to chat more. And your website, away, awayagents.com, correct? Yep, awayagents.com. And, and you know we help people basically build and set up the uh, Airbnb uh, business and can fully manage it for them. We're primarily in the Twin Cities and in Minnesota and in Colorado, but we're looking to expand into other areas this year. And my goal is to be managing 50 properties for that business here soon. So uh, if anybody wants any help, we'd love to help. Well, we're, we're, I got to get you back on uh, the podcast uh, in uh, in six months or so, see, uh, see how things are going for you. So thanks a lot, uh, Tyler, and uh, thanks to the listeners. Of course, and next Wednesday, there will be another episode. See you then. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.